Hello, welcome to this issue Engage podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And after a very, very long time, 2016, I'm doing my second general interest episode. Last time I was on Anne Frank. Uh, and this time we're going very fictional. So I'm going and doing the works of Jerry Anderson. So, um, as I've said for quite a while, I said it to a few people and they're like, oh, get me on, get me on, get me on. So we are joined by Mark. Hello. Who we haven't had on in like forever. We were also meant to be joined by Neil. And I have got this down in my notes because I wanted to get this right. Um, we were having Neil on, but unfortunately he can't join us. He's, he's still recovering from an operation he had at the beginning of the month. So we hope we get it gets well soon. Uh, but we'll have him later on in the year. For a follow-up episode, because we got to have him on. Oh, yeah, he was so excited about it, and mm. he was so disappointed yesterday when he was a bit like, "Yeah, I'm not going to make it." So get well soon, Neil, and we'll see you back on here. We've also got him on for the 10th anniversary, so yeah, so we'll be seeing him Neil, twice. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we vaguely talk about how much we know about? Jerry Anderson or the Anderson versus I kind of called it. Oh, I should say I also did a blog post about it, but we'll talk about that later, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, first of all, Mark, thank you for coming on to join us. It, it has been a very long time. I think the last time you came on, I think was, was it Room 101, Si? So I checked maybe. Room 101. I yeah, maybe. I can't, I can't I'm not sure how many years ago it was. Definitely yeah. pre-COVID. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has been a good old while. It really has been so, so long. Too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yes, Jerry Anderson. Um, I know a bit about it. Simon's, obviously, because it's his episode. You kind of went on a crash course, didn't you? Yes, I started watching it, I think it was September last year. So I've watched UFO. That was the very first thing Simon introduced me to. Say so that's kind of more live action, just to ease my way into it. Then I watched uh, Thunderbirds, uh, the TV series. Uh, then Thunderbirds of Go, the CGI new series. Uh, original Captain Scarlet. I didn't manage to watch new Captain Scarlet because I had issues trying to watch it. I watched a few episodes I managed to, thanks to Simon. Um, well, thanks uh, to YouTube. But yes. And YouTube as well. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any of the Thunderbird films. Uh, and I think that's about it. So I've watched... Some of Jerry and some of the Jerry Anderson stuff. I know there's a lot more to watch, but it, it would take forever. So, but yeah, that's that's my kind of how much I've watched of it. Mark, what about you? I would say that not only am I a massive Jerry Anderson fan, but I'm a huge fan of that like 1960s Lou Grade era ITC sort of um, you know over of work. Uh, like everything that he produced, like, you know, in that era from like um, that came out from, you know, that really, really amazing television that was coming out of Britain in the 1960s. So I'm a huge fan of not only Jerry Anderson, but that entire era. Like I'm a, I'm a massive Prisoner fan, uh, which was also produced by Lou Grade and ITC. Um, I love the Avengers, the Saint. Um but yeah, I would say definitely my love for like 60s television came from the original uh, Thunderbirds, which was 
I caught on television as a very young kid in 1991, 1992, when it was re-aired on BBC Two. And um, subsequently after that, after Thunderbirds, they started re-airing like Stingray, which I got into, uh, original Captain Scarlet, Joe 90 would be shown on Saturdays. Um, and then I kind of went on a deep dive of my own, kind of like looking out for like other Jerry Anderson stuff that was out there, um, which I thought, which my local library, believe it or not, was a massive resource for that. Oh, they wow. had a lot of the old, you know, the Channel 5 ITC tapes mm. uh, of episodes of, I like, say, you know, Fireball XL5, which was a very early Jerry Anderson. It preceded Stingray. It was in black and white. Also, um, really random one which no one's really watched called the secret service um which i really enjoyed but <laughs> not really many people know about um <laughs> it, that's a really rare one and uh, also stuff like obviously ufo as well which was amazing that was repeated on bbc as well you also got um space 1999 which for me felt like another um series of star trek the original series that, that felt that had the same energy about it an amazing special effects with derek mettings um, big big fan. Um, so yeah, like, uh, and I've also seen the, the the two Thunderbirds movies. I remember having them on VHS as a kid, and it came as a double bill. And I watched the first one, and I didn't know there was going to be a second one after it. And I, it came on. I was like, oh my god, there's another film here, you know. So for me as an eight year old, that was so exciting to have that on tape. And yeah, yeah I watched that. Wore them think, out, you know. I think with Thunderbirds, I think I I do recall vaguely that in my childhood it was on, but it was never something I really got into. But I knew of it and, you know, so I, I didn't have that grown up like you guys did. It wasn't until kind of Simon said Sandy was doing this episode. And it's yeah, like... it's another one of those complete opposites where I, I'm like Mark. I grew up with the 90s, so I watched kind of Stingray, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet. Um, there's other ones that I really remember. Whereas I think Jane was definitely more kind of you're into kind of Tomb Raider and those sort of things and I think I think for me when I was a kid I think it was more things I think for me when I was a kid it's more I liked like cartoons so like Scooby-Doo Tom and Jerry that that Looney Tunes that was the kind of thing I loved just loved watching so mm-hmm. but um no I've really enjoyed watching a lot of the Jerry Anderson stuff that I have watched I've quite enjoyed it I must admit I've um UFO the Sigma that was the first one I watched and I thought that was that was great I absolutely loved it so you know and I mean, I would say I was a bigger fan probably as you guys are because I've only just kind of started my journey on it, but I would certainly happy to watch more. You actually surprised me. You actually surprised me. What was the biggest thing that came out of it, Jamie? Because I, I assumed you were going to be more of a Captain Scarlet fan. Uh, for me, I... I, for me, I my kind of the it, the my it's, it's kind of a surprise in a way, but it's the Thunderbirds ago, so the CGI version. So that's um that's kind of the one that's my favourite because uh, I like Captain Scarlet and in some ways it does suit what I like, but I did have some issues with it as well. So, explain well, how Jamie, I think um, this is place to say. So obviously you know. See, you know, so Captain Scarlet obviously is much more dark and gritty. It's kind of like Deep Space Nine. It's like Star Trek version of DS9. That's what you kind of said to me, didn't you, Sai? Whereas Thunderbirds is kind of like TNG. So with Captain Scarlet, I liked it, but the, the issue I had with it, one of the issues I had with it is, as you, as you kind of said, Sai, it's always just the mysteries week after week, which is fine, 
But at least with Thunderbirds, the original one, CGI version, you've got, well, there's different rescues, so it's always a nice variety. And the issue I had, and yes, I know it's a kids' TV show, but why the hell do the Mistrons always announce their plans? No wonder they're always right. getting stopped all the time by Captain Scarlet and Spectrum. If you announce your plans, then of course they're going to stop you. At least be a bit more vague about it if you have to. <laughs> I know it's exposition for the audience, so... But I just sit there every time. It's like, yeah, no wonder you fail because you always tell them what you're going to do. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I think one of the things about, I think that what, which Captain Scarlet is a brilliantly made show. Yeah. Like the models, the, the special effects are all fantastic. But one of the things I think takes away from Captain Scarlet, if you compare Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet side by side, is first of all, the episodes are shorter. They're only half yeah. an hour compared to the hour-long uh, Thunderbirds episodes, which I think allowed for more kind of character development and kind yeah. of like yeah. you really get to know these characters. You get, get to know the people who are in danger, and then you also get to know the Tracy brothers and you know the, yeah. the rest of the international rescue team. Uh, with Captain Scarlet, it was like also the technology, by the time it came out in 1967, the technology in the marionette's heads uh, to make the mouths move were, was a lot smaller and they could actually make the puppets in uh, in uh, in scale, so yeah. actual human scale. And I think that kind of took you know. So those models were used in Joe ninety as well, and in the Secret Service. And those are the only two other super marination ones that came after Captain Scarlet that used those proportional heads. Hmm. But I think that took away from the charm of it. And I think yeah. when you look at Thunderbirds, there's a lovely kind of like you know Thunderbirds yeah. and Stingray in particular. Okay, it's a little bit oversized, but that's the, that's what makes it. That's what makes it kind of like, kind of very heartwarming. It's a double-edged um, sword because if, if, in one way, and I do like the new new models from Captain Scarlet. It does make it look more realistic. But I think as kind of as as Simon and others have said, it takes away if you don't get the facial expressions. And yes, Captain Scarlet is more serious, true. So maybe it fits. But yeah, but the other thing that's why I would say about Captain Scarlet, and this is just a personal preference. This is not a criticism, but I think making him indestructible was a mistake. It takes away, if he's in a, in a dangerous situation, it takes away, there's no tension there because you know he's going to survive. So for me, it's just like, well, he's just going to come back and he'll be fine. So, but, you know, that's just, that's just yeah, me, you know. It's a harrowing old show. And even the even the particular way he dies in the first episode, it went, well, he dies twice in the first episode. <laughs> like, obviously, he can, he gets bumped. Him and Captain Brown get bumped off in the in the in the in the Spectrum uh, saloon car, and then he gets shot by Captain Blue on, on top of this really big sky park thing. I see. Yeah. Falls to his death, and you're like, I reckon there wouldn't be much left of him when they scooped him off the ground. <laughs> then, oh, there he is. He's alive. He's back on Cloudbase. And by the way, he's indestructible. I can't remember the fact he was a Mister on. Um, I don't know. I can believe. I think some of the some of the deaths in that, like, haven't rewatched it recently enough like are so harrowing and this is like a kid's show like you know for I suppose in 1967 they were like oh, oh well kids can deal with it it's fine you know it's like people getting crushed to death and blown up and yeah I, I did warn Jamie about it where it's a bit like yeah just wait for the 60s version where it's about blood and gore everywhere and then you get some modern CGI version they just kind of just just blow over it and just kind of don't all nice and neat and you don't see anything and you just kind of go because that's, that's what I was 
got in my notes where it's like Thunderbirds and uh, Captain Scarlet, we can see the variations from the 60s and the modern versions. You can see the changes in um, attitudes and entertainment. So an episode length and uh, shorter mm. attention spans of the children. I kind I of think feel like goes I into think, it. Yeah, I think in a way we have to look, if you look at Jerry Anderson, the man himself, and I've, I have to say that the Jerry Anderson universe and the world uh, is very well curated and looked after uh, by the team um, over at, you know, jerryanderson.com. The, their, their YouTube uh, channel is brilliant. It's very well curated. There's wonderful videos every week. And um, especially if you want to get into the series themselves, there's these brilliant primers that show you like, you know, right, this is Stingray. This is the story of Stingray. And it's a good 12 minutes, 15 minutes long. Shows you kind of like all the characters, the premise, the setup. But if you look at Jerry Anderson, Jerry Anderson himself, I always find him in interviews quite cantankerous in a way and quite kind of jaded in the fact that he had, to, oh, I only did this because I wanted to work in live TV. Um, they made Torchy the Battery Boy, Twizzle, or Four Feather Falls, the very, very early stuff. And that was his way into making films. But he always kind of was like, yeah, I didn't like the puppets really. And I always felt, you know, in way, in a weird way, Captain Scarlet was his way of getting back and, you know, it's kind of traumatizing as all. Like he really, really wanted to get into film into live action but by the time yeah. he did that with journey to the far side of the sun or doppelganger and uh, with um you know ufo that's where he really wanted to be at you know but ultimately yeah i find his relationship when you watch interviews with him he seems quite okay i've done it quite proud of it but you know never really wanted to do it and it's like oh, but man you made something so cool <laughs> and something that would never be yeah. made again because it's so near impossible to do it you know yeah, because I think I, I, that, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but Simon has on DVD a documentary that he lent me, and um, it was actually a really, really good documentary. And they, they, I can't remember what it was called, but they tried to do something where they combined the puppeteering with live action, and it just oh yeah, the hands. Yeah, and it, it was interesting, but it was just a very, very odd, and I could completely understand why they didn't combine the two stars again. Because, uh, but no, it, I, I said I. I'm glad that Simon started me off with UFO because it's live action. Filmed in Super Mario Nation, Jamie. What's that? Filmed in Super Mario Nation. That's it. That's what it's called. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you, Simon. Yeah. But, no, yeah, Birds. as I said, it it was kind of, it was a bit strange at first, you know, because it's it's something I've not really versed myself into, but I got used to it. And it's it's quite amazing when you think of uh, what, what work went into it, particularly the very early days of Super Mario Nation, how much effort it took. It's incredible what they managed to accomplish. Um, you know, and it just makes it all the more impressive now. And as you say, it's it's a certain, that era, it's, you know, it, it, it might not have been what Jerry Anderson wanted to do, so he just did it so he could, you know. But as you said, it's really cool. And, you, and he's produced some amazing work that, that as I said, lived through, on the, through the generations and will continue to, I think. Yeah. There's a timelessness to it. And I yeah. think somebody somebody described Thunderbirds as like, you know, a, a TV show made uh, set in the future and in America made by people who had been to neither. And it was kind of like yeah. their idea of what everything would look like. And everyone's still smoking. <laughs> and everybody's, <laughs> you know, how much I love. I love those little details. Everyone's still smoking fags and, and drinking, like excessively drinking. And uh, it's it's got those kind of that 60s charm about it. Uh, which yeah. I think really, really lasts. It's like um, it's like the hood, 
you know, particularly because obviously in the original version, uh, it's very much a very lots of sixties villain, kind of like so like you would see in James Bond, and I absolutely, I absolutely love him. I, I thought it was probably one of my favourite characters in the whole thing, and yeah, they turned up a handful of times in in you know in the original Thunderbirds, but he was in it enough, but he wasn't in it too much. Yeah. And I know, and I know you've probably not. I think you said, Mark, you hadn't seen any of the new versions, had you, of Thunderbirds or what the hood? You got the hood in that, and the guy's good, but for me, just I don't know. I just preferred the original. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, You can definitely um, see you can definitely see the influence of James Bond through a a lot of these shows, and it's particularly like the spy-fi craze of the 60s. Yeah. You kind of had to have like an espionage element to it as well. There's one episode of Thunderbirds that really sticks out. Called, there's two episodes that really stick out for me in terms of there's the Cham Cham and the man from MI5. And they feel more like James Bond yeah. story rather than like Thunderbirds rescue stories. Okay, they have a rescue element and a peril element in them with the Thunderbirds coming in later on. But I remember watching those as a kid thinking, this is really cool stuff. Like, you know, the stories were quite adult and didn't, what I loved about those, they never talked down to you. Like they used very kind of like, you know, adult language. It never kind of, you know, you know, kind of try to uh, gloss over it, which I quite liked, you know, but you definitely feel the spy-fi influence coming through uh, in those programs as well. And I think that the inclusion of like Lady Penelope and Parker, they became so popular in their own right. Yeah. Um, There's loads of this, you know, they're very centric episodes because, you know, and it was something like, you know, I think Sylvia Anderson at one point was like, yeah, let's put a really kick-ass female character into it as well, who's like super spy with her, like James Bond uh, FAB1, you know? Yeah, I think also, um, and it's, and and what I like about the new version of, of, of Thunderbirds is, 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 for the most part, it's very faithful to the original. Um, so, you know, and they even get, they even get the, the guy that did the voice of Parker, Back in the sixties, they get him as the voice in the new version as well. It's the same actor. It's the David same Graham. Yeah. Yeah, David which, Graham. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's because Simon mentioned that to me. I was like, you joke is like, no, it's the same guy. It's like, oh blind me. He's um, amazingly he, David Graham's amazingly still alive, actually got um very, very old now. Um yeah. but I had the pleasure of meeting Matt Zimmerman and uh who played Alan Tracy and uh the guy who played Scott whose name escapes me Shane um, Rimmer Shane Rimmer yeah again they were uh, frequented a lot of conventions both of them uh, you know have obviously passed away god love them um but yeah it was really like for me meeting them I was like yeah this is really special like you know because they were such fixtures of my childhood I bet they were lovely as well oh yeah really 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 very down-to-earth guys yeah so uh, what about you, Sai? What is there any what what kind of sticks out for you most about Thunderbirds? I I, I don't know. It's just always been around, really. It, mm. Again, it's I think one of the stops why I'm a uh, ship geek, really. If you've been around long enough, you know Thunderbird Two is my favourite craft. Always yeah. has been, always will be. Um, I have like three different versions of it. I still have the original Tracy Island and Loft. Still works. Ah. Sound effects still works this day, which is mind-boggling. Oh wow! I have a wee story about that. Um, so in so in 1992 or 1993 thereabouts, Thunderbirds had come back on TV, and they didn't expect it to be as big as it was going to be. Yeah. So Matchbox released the Tracy Island 
and the 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 the, the figures and the, and the and the ships and everything. Um, but they sold out so fast, and I think at the time even my parents couldn't really gloss over the fact that they were like, "Yeah, Santa ran out of Tracy <laughs> Islands." So at the time, my mom and I we built the Blue Peter, uh, Tracy Island. Oh and wow. Like I still have photographs of it somewhere. I'll send them over to you at some point. But like I, I remember Mom and I were like, right, Tracy Island, Santa's not gonna be able to bring that. But let's build the one that Anthea Turner is going to show us how to make. And it was out of stuff. It was like paper mache and uh, margarine tubs and matchstick boxes and stuff like that. And uh, like we spent a lot of time. We even improved on it. We added little details to our own and all. And I have to say, like, it turned out really, really well until it started to kind of um, started to go a bit soggy. <laughs> like, okay. I think it started to melt. <laughs> I, have a, I have an image of us. We put it in the garage, I think, and it's, it, you know, because it was made of paper mache, it's just kind of, like, starting to mold. <laughs> but I, I have very fond memories making that. And I've got a lot of pictures. I, I even sent a picture into Blue Peter and got a letter back. Unfortunately, oh, no Blue Peter badge. Which oh, yeah, should have got should have got the badge. But, you, um, you were talking about the website. The cool thing is, the instructions are still available on the website. So I put yeah. that in the chat. Yeah, uh, the instructions are still available there, and uh, I think on I think on recently on BBC Archive they 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 occasionally put it up, and it's like everyone remembers it. It's, it was such a big thing for Blue Peter to do it for us, and like yeah, it was a really cool experience. It was a definite, you know. Um, highlight like you know and i remember i remember not being super disappointed by not getting it because i eventually got it for my birthday a couple of months later but the original the 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 the, the actual uh you know make do it yourself tracy island yeah me and my mom made it and it was cool it really looked well so i'm quite i'm really glad that i've still got my one even if mm. i did kind of tear off the palm tree leaves as every kid did yeah but, i did the same why'd but, you do that because you're a kid, it's a bit like, oh, that looks flexible, and oops. Oh, okay. <laughs> just didn't, not purposely, but you know, he's just kind of, oh, this is a toy, let's go and destroy it for no apparent reason. So, yeah, it's still up in the loft, and so I'll never get rid of it. I say I'm still amazed the sound effects still work. I'd love to see that side, next time we'll come around, Jules. Yeah, mine's still in the attic as well. It's actually, believe it or not, I'm, uh, so I'm back in my parents' house for the week. Uh, whilst I uh, let out my flat, and I've still got my original Thunderbirds bed sheets. Oh wow! 1992. This even oh, says, even say, you know, copyright 1992 ITV or ITC Entertainment or something like that. But uh, uh, Jamie, do you have a favourite craft? For me, it would probably be Thunderbird Free. I've always quite liked Thunderbird Free going into space. I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's the kind of the Trek fan in me kind of coming out because you know a Star Trek. But I've always just really quite liked Thunderbird three. But you know, I fair play for Thunderbird two. So what about you? You just said yeah. Simon? I I I used to be Thunderbird two advocate, but I'm kind of in my later years. I've started to kind of really really love the design of Thunderbird three. And last year I built I, I got um uh airfix model kit of thunderbird 3 uh I, you know during kind of really long winter nights i decided to get back into model making and thunderbird 3 was my first challenge and uh, i'm amazed i got all the decals on it and everything like that uh, but i loved i got I even painted it 
it's exact it's it's not actually red it's a kind of like an international orange color so i got it you know try to get it as exact as i could using like you know and there's, there's loads of tutorials online to help you build them so but yeah thunderbird 3 for me i think now as an, as, as an, when i'm older and to think it's just a beautiful you know better kit like it looks it's highly impractical but it looks cool <laughs> like oh yeah well you know i mean if you ever watched the new thunderbirds thunderbird 2 could do everything it could go it, it could go underwater and it could go into space don't ask but speaking of which right i don't know whether you guys know this but there is and i remember at the time when i was a kid and being obsessed with everything and again going down to the library and getting these videos in the mid 80s they there is another version of thunderbirds and it's called thunderbirds 2086 i think and it's an anime yeah it's a there's an anime thunderbirds but it's complete. It, it it's very very loose. Like when it like when I, I remember putting it in thinking, okay, cool, an anime Thunderbird series. But it's actually because it, it, the show was huge in Japan, they made an animated version, an anime version of it, and it looks absolutely nothing like, <laughs> other than the name, I think, and the fact that they're called Tracys. That's it. But they're wow. like, imagine like if you look it up, yeah, Thunderbirds twenty eighty six. It's super futuristic. I think one of the Thunderbirds craft is like a land vehicle and like it's mostly space based. But it, I, I remember not liking it a lot because I remember thinking this is nothing like Jerry Anderson's creation at all. But that is a really random like a bit of IP there. Like, you know what I mean? It's it, it's if you if you do manage to find a clip, I think there are clips on YouTube about it. But it's if you're into Thunderbirds, it's nothing like Thunderbirds at all. Like Fair enough. No, I mean, yeah. I, I do. I mean, even though as if we're doing this episode now, I still do want to watch more, more Jerry Anderson stuff. So eventually, I do want to check out at least maybe one or two of the Thunderbirds films. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch Thunderbirds six because I saw that clip in the in the documentary. And I was like, what the heck is that thing? So that was just kind of like, what? <laughs> I, I quite like Thunderbirds six. It's pretty good actually. I think the the, the two Thunderbird movies are pretty cool. Like um, yeah, you know. Thunderbird. Thunderbirds of Go, which was released in 1966, I think, it was like they decided to bring it to the big screen. Um, there's the, an amazing opening. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when Star Trek, the motion picture, when you see the Enterprise for the first yeah. time, it goes on for ages. Let's go around the end surprise. That's like, yeah, let's go I don't care about the... that. I love that. I love I, I love that kind of you know, shit porn. I'm there going, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look at this. They do the same at the start with this new ship called the Zero X, which goes to Mars. And it's kind of, it's the same ship at the start of Captain Scarlet. And that, that assembly process and the launch process for me, I loved that as a kid. I, could just, I was just like, this is so cool. And it was such a mighty machine, loads of like exploding exhausts. And uh, it's a really good movie. I think I think it, a lot of people didn't, This it's kind of got mixed reviews. I think the yeah, hardcore yeah. fans really like it. Cliff Richards in it, weirdly enough, <laughs> and the shadows um, with original songs and all in it. And uh, there's a kind of weird dream sequence which people aren't lost on. But the movie itself is pretty cool, and it's a good big out screen out, and I think for the Thunderbirds guys, it's just yeah, I I think it's awesome. I say I'm definitely keen to check them out, so I think I will do at some point. Um, it's a fun watch. It's the pacing's very much 60s, and they do take their time building it twice over, but it's well worth yeah. it. Oh yeah. Um, and I have to say, 
the one th the one thing that there's one these aside from the marination themselves and it's, it's something i do want to I'd love to talk about and something i'm really obsessed with is the music of barry gray yeah like yeah. this is this is this is t this is music for kid shows essentially for kid shows and they had no reason to slap as hard as the music of barry gray like all the themes and i have I think on my Spotify wrapped, it came up that Barry Gray was my second most listened to artist <laughs> after the Beatles and the Smashing Pumpkins. And it was like, um, for me, Barry Gray's music, like the themes and the, yeah. the background music are incredible. And they're really just, they had no reason to go that. Like if someone pitched it to Barry goes, oh yeah, it's a show about puppets and basically they were going rescue people. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to make this bombastic orchestral <laughs> production. Yeah. Really thrilling music. God almighty, it holds up. It's like his music makes these shows what they are. Yeah. And all the themes, Space 1999, UFO, all the themes are just damn good. Really, really good. Like, that's what that's one thing that stood out to me when I watched UFO, particularly Thunderbirds. A song we'll attest to. I always kept when I went to see it, do the countdown: five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. I love it. It's just you know. It's or a, it's, Stingray. Stingray has the per perfect pitch. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Right here we go. I'm you know I'm 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 in. Like I I, I bought I've got the box set. I've got the Stingray box set. Uh, um. Uh, got it on dvd there and it's you know i throw on a couple of episodes in the background while i'm making the dinner like you know and it's a little bit campier than thunderbirds i think uh same with same with fireball xl5 fireball xl5 and stingray are basically the same show except one set underwater and one set in space and it's a little bit campy uh but i think again the model work and the 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 the, the, the stories are great fun and interestingly enough, Stingray was the first ever British show to be made in color, because even oh, though okay. even though British even though uh, British audiences did not have color until 1967, um, Jerry Anderson made these shows to sell them to America, and that's why all that's why you've got all these kind of dodgy American accents all around the place. And um, but that's the reason why they, they they made these shows specifically for the states, and. Um, that's where the commercial success came, you know, kicked in. So they made Stingray was the first ever show sh shot in color in the UK and sold to the states, which already had color television then. Yeah, I think um, I recommend Mark at some point if you do ever get the time to check out Thunderbirds of Go. I think I think you would quite enjoy it. I mean, there are some odd choices with kind of what they went with. Like, I mean, I can say if you, um, it's a bit of a spoiler, but I can say if you want me to. Do you want me to? Yeah, so basically, obviously, <laughs> Jeff Tracy's not around. The father's not around at all. Until, like, yeah. So he's like, he's not in it. Okay, right. Uh, and they also, for me personally, I don't mind it. I know this is a bit of a thing for Simon, but they also have another Thunderbird called Thunderbird Shadow. It's like a Black Ops covert oh. thing, um, which I think is pretty cool. I think because what I like is, it's it gives a bit it gives the show a bit of a grittier edge which which I don't mind at all, um, but no for the most part it's it's pretty faithful to the original uh, which is quite good you know you you think they'd completely rebrand it and do their own thing but they for the for the most part they don't um, and obviously you know you get they they do the rescues what they do in the original and obviously the hoods around because you know it's the hood, um, but I I really like. I really like it. Um, 
and what I also really like about Thunderbirds, particularly with the rescues, I think in both the original and a new version, I like it when the actual rescuers themselves actually contribute to their own rescue. They're not just helpless. Yeah. Um, I think the episode Sun Probe sticks out to me in that one. I remember being re- as a kid being really frightened of like Tintin, Alan and, and, and Scott falling into the sun. And it was up to Virgil and Brains and the robot to, to get them out, you know, with their signal. And I thought that was, you know, those episodes really got to me as a kid because it was like, oh, God, they're in danger. And I go, what, what, what do I have to do? And um, did, did they make... In the new ones, there was a direction because they made the there was a li- another live action version done in 2003, and it was directed by Jonathan Frakes, um, <laughs> and um, starred yeah. Bill Paxton. Uh, and basically, they made Alan the main character. I think they kind of wanted to go for something for kids to kind of. Mm. I think Spy Kids had come out and was really popular, and they thought, well, yeah. we'll use that formula. But did they do the same in the new Thunderbirds or go? What they well with the new one, I mean with the old one, obviously John was just well he was in the old one he was just he had, had he was just exposition he had no character he, he was there he was he there was he was there. in space he but, has one he has one rescue mission <laughs> he's got one I, I think they send him down it's the one with the big ship and it blows up in the fog but it, Atlantic and, Inferno yeah I think so, yeah or Danger at Ocean Deep or something like that it's called. But some it, very strange episode where these ships were blowing up because of this strange fog, and him and I think it's him and Scott go down. Mm. Uh, plants, wherever it was, in the med. Mm. We yeah. just go, what? Huh? Huh? What? Don't forget, don't forget about the giant alligators. Then, then That's, they did the- That's such a good episode. It's, again, a really terrifying episode. That was one again to use that old phrase. Like I would. Paul, I would fast forward it because I was so, like, especially the scene where like Alan is being attacked by the alligator. I, I that terrified me. I would fast forward it, you know, just so I get that bit done because it was terrifying. It was just to yeah. see our characters in, to, in in mortal danger like that. To in, with that one, to each their own. I I wasn't a fan of it personally, and they they do do an episode in the new version as well of that like, as a, a kind of a parody thing, but. Fair enough. Um, but no, going back to what you said about John. Yes, in the new version, oh my God, he's written so much better, and he actually does contribute to the rescues. Actually, a fair few, a few times, actually, so much better written. Um, I really did him a, a good service in the in the new version. If you ever watch it, you'll see for yourself that they, they really do write him so much better. And what about Brains and Penelope and Parker? So they obviously they're in it as well. You said yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brains, they keep his stutter as well. The stutter that he has, they keep that as well, which I thought was a, a cool little character quirk. Although one of the things that did kind of bug me with the new version is, you know, you know, so like when, say, like, they're in trouble, like the Thunderbirds, like the Tracers are in trouble. Oh, look, Brains has got this miraculous invention that we've never heard of that can help them get out of this exact situation. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I get that it's a kid's show, and you need, but I just think that they just pulled off that trick so many times. I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, I just got to the point so, like Brains, what have you been thinking for today? Yeah. It's like <laughs> but, in James Bond when, like, Q is like, I'm going to give you these exact gadgets that will get you out of these exact situations, <laughs> but you can't use them again on different missions. Yeah. But for this one, it's you funny. will need this at some point, like, you know. It's fine. It, it's, it's like, I, it doesn't, it, I can live with it. It's fine. But, um, but no, if you're honestly, yeah. honestly, if you ever do get the time mark, check, check it out. I, I think Definitely. you'll quite enjoy it. 
because there's also uh, callbacks to Fireflash, Zero X, Stingray, Brayman, Original Fab One, Fab Two, and the Crab Logger. Ah, are the ones that I at least picked up on. Mm. But I think those those ships that you mentioned, like I think the like Thunderbirds was well ahead of its time in predicting a lot of things. There was a, one episode where obviously supersonic, you know, travel was one. You know, they obviously knew Concord was in development in the late in the sixties, and they thought, well, by the by by twenty sixty four, everyone would be flying supersonic. No, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> not going to happen that way. But the risk communicators, you know, we've got iWatches now. That's like anytime I would talk to someone on my, like I have an Apple Watch, not wearing it now, but if I have an Apple Watch, it always reminds me of like, you know, you know, Scott Tracy on his. And I always used to think, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm talking on mine. And that's, you know, something I've always really wanted to have. And now brains, we have it. Brains in the bridge where they kind of think he's crazy. Mm. What, what's that one? Cut down to disaster, isn't it? Or. Um. Yeah, uh, why haven't I got? Yeah, it's the one with the um, the Martian probes. Yeah, and, that and it's under the same river. Yeah, I just, I think um, as well, what what I also quite like is, as you say, you get the time for that character development and like, the little romances that kind of develop between some of the some of the characters as well, which I think is just really quite sweet because you don't necessarily have to have that in a in a kids show. You you know you could just kind of making a bleak reference to whatever mm. and you know you just focus on the main stuff but the fact that they took the time to do that i think is really nice as well i think you i think you kind of were saying to me side didn't you, you and again and um do you want me to mention about this your blog or not can do so so simon's in his blog he kind of and i i, I see i completely see it. it's kind of there's a bit of an influence from star there's influence from star trek into jerry anderson stuff because they were both they were both kind of the same time, weren't they, Si? Yeah, pretty near enough, almost, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you want, do you want to explain this a bit more, Si? Because you, you'll probably be able to explain it better than I could. They have lots of things in common, really, like the world government. Mark kind of alluded to it. The tech, the wearable tech's kind of very, very similar to what you get in Next Gen or the where, you know, communicators. So they're kind of um, spectrum cat communicators. You can mm-hmm. argue in a new Cats of Scarlet. The scanners are like tricorders. Um, what else do I have in there? Oh, it's a signal ray. There's a radiation suit that looks very much like a EVA suit. There's lots of things where you sit there and go, it's not 100% exactly what you see in Star Trek, but it could be. It could it, it could be all the same universe. Well, yeah. One one thing when I was growing up. And when I started getting into Next Generation, so when I started watching original series, again, on on the BBC, and God, you know, I, I owe so much of that, you know, that that um, early or late early evening slot, like between six o'clock and seven o'clock, you know, for my my, my pop culture development. But it was like, uh, the one thing, I love the original series, I'm a massive fan, but I always thought to myself, if you compare the original series special effects to Thunderbird special effects, uh, which were done by Derek Meddings, who went on to work on uh, stuff like um, Space 19, oh no, um, 2001. Like a lot of, like Kubrick saw the Thunderbird special effects and thought, yeah, this is this is what I want. For so did James Bond as well. I always thought, I always thought this, the, thought, the stuff that they were making in a small warehouse in Slough was far better and yeah. holds up more 
than the stuff that they were doing in Star Trek. And obviously they were using, you know, uh, the model, very, very big models in Star Trek and blue screen. But with the, if you look at the stuff like what they were doing in Stingray and Fireball XL5 and, and Thunderbirds, et cetera, they would use backdrops and have the models on wires in front, film them very, very slowly, or very, sorry, very high speed frame rate and slow them down afterwards. And that made the ships look even you know, more realistic for me. Uh, even the fact that they, they filmed Stingray in front of a fish tank, you know, to make it look as though it was underwater with the lighting effects and everything. And one other wee thing, I was, I was, uh, there was, a, if you're, they recently in about, around about 2016, I think to celebrate the, or, or sorry, in sorry, 2015 to celebrate the uh, the 50th anniversary of Thunderbirds, they, uh, a bunch of filmmakers got together and remade three new episodes using audio from these little um, records uh, with audio adventures. So they had the original voice acting of like all the original Thunderbirds cast in these, you know, unique standalone stories on little, you know, um, 45, you know, 45 RPM singles. So they took those and they made using the original technology and some of the original people who made it come back and actually They've built three new episodes. I don't know where you. I think they might be on ITV Plus or yeah. ITVX. Yeah. But they're very. I do, I have a copy of it on DVD, and it's it's brilliant. It's like finding three new episodes of a show that you've loved. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, here's three more. And it's like, and they're they're only about fifteen minutes each, but they're brilliant. Absolutely fantastically done yeah. and brilliantly brilliantly remade with those techniques and they found that the modern filmmakers find that it was really difficult to do it you know and salute to the the original guys back in slough and uh was it century 21 studios to do that you know so uh, if you if you haven't checked those out those are like an absolute must have you seen them simon i did it's something actually neil told me about so i went and found them on itvx because what you're referring to are thunderbirds 1965 or thunderbirds anima anniversary episodes and then the first one's like a prequel to the series which i just thought so much fun i know a a, a snowman and the stately homes robberies i just loved that introducing thunderbirds i thought that's so fun it's like yep we're gonna build that over there that's gonna be over there you just have to and i love the humor in that one where it's like poor puck lugging around this huge bit of tech it's a bit like oh like, couldn't you just put a motor on it or something? Just yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, love Scott's, a... I love Scott's winter uniform that he has. He's got, a, like, a winter variant in the Abominable Snowman one, which they made. It's, it's got, like, a zip-up jacket. I can't remember, but, yeah, I think it did have this quite iconic look. And what's quite cool with those anniversary episodes is the guy that did the animated... Which ones were they? Voyager and next gen episodes. yeah I've seen he, those. he he was part of the people that did the anniversary episode oh my god i i absolutely adore those i think because I, I i'm a big fan of the, the animated series and the fact that they did animated series style episodes of next gen and voyager is so damn good it's so so clever because if you look at interviews with him you can see he's got um scott in thunderbird one cockpit in the back of his in like his um living room in his front room so yeah <laughs> it's funny how it all works up and kind of all in the same kind of love for us oh yeah I, I love i grew up with it and he went on to 
go and do that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, small you world. do find there's a, there's a big overlap with the fan bases for sure. And like I, I had the pleasure of meeting Jamie Anderson, um, who's Jerry or well, Jerry Anderson's Jerry Anderson's son uh, at a convention in 2022. And it was really cool just to go over to chat with him and just kind of like, you know, talk about, you know, stuff his dad made. And I got a picture with him and everything. I was like, yeah, this is really, you know, that's really. And I think it's it's himself and a bunch of other guys who have custodian of the of the of the IP. And like I said before, they're doing a really damn good job of keeping it alive and keeping the fan going. They're, they're, they're hats off to them. I think they're they're very, very they really care about it. They really care about the fans that are still out there and introducing it to new ones as well. Yeah, um, there's also the other. There's a really good documentary, uh, Jerry Anderson, A Life Uncharted. Mm-hmm. That's also on ITVX, and that's really well done. That's from his perspective on his father, and you kind of get a nice background as why all the shows had this kind of hero saving someone thread to it because of his um, brother. Mm-hmm. And yes. where the work, where Thunderbirds the name came from and all the origins of everything it's really quite interesting I think I think mm. it's quite I, I haven't watched the documentary myself but for what little Simon's told me I think it's really quite amazing that he's used his own experiences and uh, to put them into stories into his shows I think it just shows you how how passionate he was about them and and as you say it gives him a bit of authenticity as well and said so that because you know and a lot that a lot I'm sure a lot of people watching could relate to What's what's amazing to me is that the fact that there was only he didn't really dwell on projects that long uh, in that like Stingray only had one series, Fireball XL5 had one series, same as Supercar, Thunderbirds technically had two, but then was cut short. And you think on the basis of its popularity in and in the mid '60s, it was one of the shows that really started off the collectible toy boom in terms of like, you know, producing merchandise for kids because they really wanted it. Uh, and so you had the dinky toys that were made originally, then obviously Matchbox later on. But it was like, that was, that predates Star Wars. It predates, you know, Star Trek in a way, in terms of like, you know, right, we've got we've got a fan base here. Let's cater to them in terms of like merchandise and stuff like that. Uh, it was like really, really ahead of its time. But it's, it's interesting like a lot of these shows only happened and they only got like one series. Like Joe 90 was the same. Uh, the Secret Service, which is a very, it was a very, very strange program in that it, it's about, it's about a, a, a secret agent priest, uh, Anglican vicar played by Stanley Unwin. Uh, and he has a, an assistant called Matthew who he can shrink down. Um, and it was kind of a weird mix of live action and super marionation as well. And uh, also with great acronyms, but apparently Lou Grade saw it and was like, "Stop making this! It's too weird." <laughs> and they only got twelve episodes out of it. So like, you, you find that a lot of the stuff that Jerry Anderson does, it's it like very, the short runs, and that's it. And, you know, but they they obviously gone into syndication and everything like that. But like a lot of the stuff, you know, they never really made more of the, the, the sh- I figured there could have been more in Thunderbirds. They could have made, you know, probably developed it more into the future, I guess. But, you know, that's CLRV, I guess. But it's yeah. kind of works into what we were saying about Fireflies. Part of its charm that it was such a short thing that they exactly. were kind of perfect for how long they ran for. If it ran for 
X number of series, I don't think it would have been so iconic. The fact that you can sit there and kind of go, oh, yeah, that was that episode. Oh, yeah, that happened in that one. Yeah. It's kind of prudence of kind of actually it being short, playing into its charm and kind of mm. legacy. Why it's so iconic. Yeah, and I think we're, we're blessed in the fact that now we, we have streaming and DVDs. Like back in the day, I remember, like, all I could get was what I could find in in the library and in Woolworths. <laughs> and I would buy the t- and they would only have like two episodes on them. That would be it. And if you didn't see, there was, so when they released them on DVD in, or if you caught them on television, if you were lucky to catch them on television or a repeat, but that was it. Uh, so I think in, I think it was around about 2004, a friend of mine had it in college, the entire DVD collection. And there were some episodes I was watching about 20 years ago for the first time that I hadn't seen the first time around. Uh, and I obviously known about them because of the books and the, I had some collectible cards and stuff like that. But it was really cool. We're, we're very blessed now where we can sit down and blast through a series as opposed to having to wait every week or, or you know, by luck or stroke of luck by someone having a tape of it, you know. Mark, yeah. did you ever get the um, replica pistols that the Jaronson website made? No. No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, never, I never got around to that, no. Because I was able to get the Thunderbirds one and uh, the Captain Scarlet one. Yeah, the Captain Scarlet one looks cool. It's like a, you know... Then he's like, yeah, the rescuers, why arm them? <laughs> you know, I thought that was interesting. Like Captain Scarlet... Yeah. Captain Scarlet, I know why they have to have guns, but Thunderbirds, why did they have to have guns? <laughs> I suppose for that one Good time point. when they go against criminals, mm. you know, the kidnappers with like um, Lady Penelope, that sort of situation, kind of, it's such a where it's kind of, we try not to, but we'll use them as defence. That's the way I kind of see it. Mm. Um, what was the other thing I was going to talk about? Um, one of my notes I have got down here is have I gone to the wrong one? Have I gone to the wrong one? I don't know. I so what? We'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I think Jerry Anderson had a fascination with aliens, and the follow-up question is: Are the Mistrons the aliens we see in the UFO? Oh, that's a good one. Jamie, what do you think? Um, quite possibly. I mean, if you think about it with UFO, we never actually did see the aliens or really ascend. So, I, no, honestly, I think it's certainly plausible. Because um, one of the things I did really like about UFO was the mystery of the aliens, like the home world itself. I was so excited when I watched that episode, like you get the photographs, like, oh my God. It's like, oh, okay, that's right, a glass of worthless. Damn. Um, there, there, there could be an argument to say that they might be in that there is a lot of cano- canonical overlap with the Jerry Anderson world. Now, now, not specifically on screen, but if you do a little bit of deep diving into, say, the technical guides of Thunderbirds and, and Captain Scarlet and stuff like that, you do see that. Um, so the Zero X, which obviously appears in Thunderbirds or Go, appears in Captain Scarlet. So that suggests they exist in the same universe. And I also suggested that I've read in, in kind of in the off-screen like autobiographies of the different Thunderbirds, Gordon was a member of Wasp. So technically he was in the same service as Troy Tempest and Phones in Stingray. So 
it's not with, with you know, it's, it's, it's definitely within the possibility that they are or it's of some sort of, you know, same kind of thing. So, yeah, that that theory does hold water. Um, and then I also thought that the Mistrons, were they a metaphor for communism? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, mm. It's hard to know, is it? You know, um, <laughs> I don't know. This is the voice of the Mr. Ross. As a nine-year-old, I never pick up on that. Um, the next few are quite more simplistic, and I think you guys will be a bit more happy with me. Uh, he had fascination with vehicles in trios, so the angels that became the interceptors in the new version, and overcomplicated and elaborate launching. So the SPVs, the Thunderbirds, uh, interceptors, and they were all elaborately uh, disguised. Yeah. I, I just find that fascinating. You, you see it, and then you can't unsee it. Because I think you said to me, so that's one of the things you really liked about Captain Scarlet, wasn't it? The disguise of the actual vehicles yeah, they had. Yeah, SPC, I always loved that in that version where it's like, yes, show me your house. And then they kind of hid it in some elaborate way and you just go, yeah, that's quite cool. Uh, speaking of SPVs, if any of you guys are a fan of the YouTuber Tom Scott, yeah, uh, he yeah, does an episode it. where he talks about his love of Captain Scarlet as a kid. And he gets a company to recreate a backwards driving vehicle, which at the time seemed kind of cool, but is massively impractical. Like, you know, why on earth would you put someone in a, in, a, in a vehicle and have them drive backwards? I think the original explanation was like, oh, because this vehicle is designed to like ram through things. And if okay. you're sitting backwards, that it'll, it'll, it'll reduce the shock on your body. But Tom Scott in you know gets these guys to build him a vehicle, a backwards driving vehicle with nothing but like a, a camera on the front of it, you know, at the front and a screen in him so he can drive it like this. And again, it proves that although very futuristic and forward thinking, ma- ma- massively impractical, not 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 worth not worth at all, not worth using at all. And I think even Jerry Anderson recognized that pretty early on. He was like, yeah, this is flawed. Uh, what was the other thing? And then it's obviously last one's even more obvious. Jerry Anderson likes his heroes based on remote bases, so moon base, trace island, and sky base. So that was another odd thing. And I always loved the Spectrum patrol cars because it's got that's my initials. Oh yes, my <laughs> initials are literally that, like Simon, Philip, Cordell. So SPC, I've always yeah. had a bit of a thing for that. It's a bit like that's that's quite cool, especially unintentional and just kind of just a nice coincidence. But it's a bit like yeah, that's quite cool. Just yeah. all those vehicles are just so iconic. I think one of the things I do really like about Captain Scarlet as well is when you get the dun 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 dun, and you get like the flashes of the different scenes, and then it. I don't know why. I just thought it was a really cool effect they always did. Just, just yeah, back again, to... in a nod to kind of how forward thinking Jerry Anderson was as well. I would have to say that Captain Scarlet, the fact that their crack interceptor pilots were all female, that was cool. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and they're called the angels. It's like, yeah, even I think it's even said in episode one, it's like, that's an appropriate name for them, isn't it? And it's like, absolutely. And they were all, a lot of Captain Scarlet, a lot of Jerry Anderson's characters were all based on 
actual actors. I think um, uh, some of them, the, the angels themselves were based on like, uh, I think uh, on, on actual models like Twiggy and Gene Shrimpton and stuff like that from the 60s. Uh, I always thought that was cool. And, and another thing as well, like Captain Scarlet broke barriers in terms of race. Like, so yeah. Lieutenant Green was one of the first black, okay, a puppet. But the guy who played, I think, Sai, um, again, you're going to have to remind me of his name, but he he was like a remarkable guy who did his voice. He was from uh, Trend, uh, from the, the West Indies and, um, again, broke barriers in television like that. So in you had uh, black and uh, Asian characters, main characters within the Spectrum organization as well. And that, that was pushing boundaries for like 60s television in, in, in the UK. So that was pretty cool to see. Cy Grant? Cy Grant, yeah. If you read into his life, he was a really, really interesting person. That, that, something tells me he might have actually, I'm going to look, I'm going to have to look it up here. To, but something tells me he actually might have fought in World War II. Um, or, was, or was he was a musician. Oh, yeah, he was a World War II veteran. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was great. Right. If you read into his life, he was um, a very, 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 yeah, fought, fought in the, fought, uh, was in the RAF. <laughs> so oh, wow. really think, yeah he's from um yeah a very very interesting guy i think one of the things as well i'd say to him about captain scarlet as well is the yeah the attempt at least to kind of tell like i know obviously the plots were different but it was just one continuous story of the battle between spectrum and the mysterons as well as obviously thunderbirds was more kind of each each rescue is different uh you know they were trying to tell a longer running story arc and you know, maybe it got a bit samey, maybe a bit repetitive after a while, but you've got to admire them for trying something like that. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, the fact that they were able to do that, you know, that Scott was able to try these bold things. So as you say, the first like, like women on women pilots, or even, as is it, even the kind of the, the, the violence of the show, as you said, for kids, so, so I said to me, for kids, it's awfully violent. I watched it, I was like, Blipping heck, this is, I mean, you know, this is quite, you know, as you say, harrowing is probably the best word to describe it, as mm. you said, Mark. Mm. But, um, no, I mean, I do prefer the uh, CGI Thunderbirds, but there is a lot to, I do admire about Captain Scott, despite, you know, the criticisms that I, that I did say earlier on. There is a lot that I do like about it. I do like it, it's more darker, it's more gritty, that's kind of, because that's why I like DS9 partly so much. So that, that part of it does appeal to me. And it, as I said, I think it's, great that they did try and do something different after Thunderbirds it was they didn't want to obviously just do the same thing they wanted to try and you know do something different so um you guys sorry, do you guys have any outstanding episodes of, of all the stuff you've watched so far like what, what would be like the favorite episodes like or what episodes oh. you just said this is what you should start with or obviously episode ones are, are good primers but like what what, what episodes stood out for you guys Oh, blimey. <laughs> um, well, with UFO, I'd say my favourite one was probably the time one. So where like time, I think it's like where time slows down. Uh, I, I think that's it. When um, Striker comes in, he starts smashing all the equipment. I'm thinking, what the heck's he doing? That was probably one of my favourite episodes from UFO, at least. That's the one that really stands out. Uh, original Thunderbirds. I'm not quite sure to be honest. It's, that's the thing. You watch so much of it all together, it kind of just blurs into one. I think probably the Tower Inferno one I quite liked. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, that was a really really good one. Um, 
new version there's there's quite a few that stand out i can't really think off the top of my head that there's quite a lot of them um captain scarlet I, i'd really quite liked with captain scarlet the original version i liked um what was it the, so obviously the mistrons as usual they reveal their plans but they misinterpret it i think this they said i think it's i can't remember the name but they, they think it's going to be a general and it turns out it's actually a ship which yeah. i thought was quite cool yeah. so i i thought that one really said because they actually had misinterpreted it which i thought made a nice change it's like instead of them just going oh yeah we know your plan so it's like actually you got that wrong so they kind of have to scramble a bit to actually you know save the day or whatever so what about you guys i'm just looking up uh day of disaster so the one with the bridge um end of the road for original thunderbirds yeah that's uh, a good one like that there are so many good ones in there uh i think jamie on new york talk about city on fire that's the one yeah thank Mm -hmm. you uh cry wolf that's the that's the clip show Oh no 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 no! The, the, there's another yeah no I know the one you're talking about. This is about the Australian kids, and they yeah. they pretend that yeah yeah no I know that one. Just what's the clip show? There is there is one that's a clip show. Uh, security hazard. I yes. think that's the I think that's the penultimate. I think was it the fun finale? I think yeah. it was. And there's another I, one for a clip show. I don't mind it. It's not bad. It's it's. I remember having it on tape, and it was a good introduction because it kind of had. It had the Sun Probe, um, the Fire Flash episode number one, and the um, Day of Disaster summarized. Oh, yeah, I love that bit of trivia. The fact that in the pilot of Thunderbirds, the whole um, elevator car, it actually, they said it on YouTube, on on their YouTube videos, it actually broke on film, so they had to add in an extra scene where they had that fourth one. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's probably a lot of that. It's probably a lot of chipper fans because I don't know. So even I have told you before, Jamie, not against ever it's Jamie forgetting. Um but it's one of those instances where you do sit there and go, Yeah, where the hell do they all come out of? Mm. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. The pods seem to to the kinda of like the TARDIS. They're kinda of like a certain <laughs> like it can fit like the mole and then like five the four yeah. elevator cars and it's like, wait a second, hold on. It, it does it does make me laugh though. The original Thunderbirds, like the Traces, trying to keep their identities a secret, and it didn't really work out very well. Yeah, so and then, <laughs> there's a couple of other questions you got to ask about Thunderbirds as well. It's like, how are they funding this? Like, you know, is it is, okay? They say like, oh yeah, like Jeff Tracy's a billionaire. It's like, well, it's like Elon Musk hasn't set up his own Thunderbirds fucking island. <laughs> then again, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, but they, it's like. He has that of his own rocket corporation in a sense, but like um, there's a couple of wee things you kind of go five guys on an island, they're, and they're all you know in their early twenties, thirties, and you're kind of like, what do you guys do for fun on your on your own? <laughs> like you know, surely surely you can't be under the thumb of your dad. And what happens if one of them quits? This is like you know what they should have done an episode where one of them just like you know what dad, I'm I, I am yeah. I, I, I really want to be I really want to be a dancer. <laughs> I want, to go, I, want to, I want to express myself and dabbing. Well, that's the thing as well. You've got to think. I mean, again, I, it's, again, it's not a criticism. It's just a, just a question. But you got to think as well. Was as what five of them taking part in rescues? Whatever, what like dozens and dozens of rescues all over the world. Are they going to be able to manage with just the five of them? Yeah. You know, 
It's I mean, like, you have to make a call here. It's like, well, there's an earthquake here, but also there's like a building going to fall over here. It's like, it's, ah, it's, it's we'll Emergencies have to book appointments when they have to happen. Yeah. You know, like because it, it is a very formal one, kind of like like Star Trek, where it's kind of you know, oh, Mr. Tracy, and kind of oh, you know, oh, earthquake. We can book you in for tomorrow, and they can all get back <laughs> and they can get themselves ready. Because that's again, that's where the new version does work quite well, where it is more realistic and there are multiple rescues mm. happening at the same time at least in the pilot mm. but it's 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 the 60s where you know you can pick a drink up for a, a penny and all that sort of thing so a guy and a millionaire is a bit like more believable whereas i think mm. putting 21st century standards on it it kind of you sit there and go huh sorry mm. But with 60 standards, I think it would be like, oh, my God, that's, yeah, that's cool. Like, someone should go and do that. Mm. I think overall that the, the it, it's a show that really, it, it holds up. And I, I um, um, when I, I was working for ITV, uh, we had access to the ITV archives and I got to watch. It's basically the same as having ITVX, but I got to watch all the shows that they would have had on repeat on ITV. And... It was really, really cool to say I would sit and watch them all, you know, as I was yeah, working in the background. And it was such a, it was a really cool thing to have. And I think there's a charm about them, the music, the special effects, the acting. It all just works. And that's the reason why it's 2024. Ironically, the 60th anniversary of Stingray this year. Um, that's why it still holds up. And that's why we're still talking about it, you know, and still watching them. Like, you know, they're, they're great little time capsules of of uh, of the 60s but they're you know they're they're damn well good and i, I still i still love them i just for me growing up i I, th- I thought there was a degree of realism with them as well i don't know why you know i think my earliest memory of thunderbirds is watching thunderbird 2 coming out and taking off oh, and if you look yeah. at the details in the models like you can see that the fact that they're pitted and burnt and they've got they're weathered and they've got little details on them they're not just all green they've got little like kind of like warning signs and you know do not stand here and and those little details those guys who made those ships are just you know put a lot of love into them and that's what made it feel very real for me even though i knew it wasn't but it felt you know it felt a little bit more growing up than watching just cartoons which i also love fresh my memory so in the new version i think at least when you, you see them obviously going to whatever Thunderbird, they're going to like Thunderbird 2. When it's back to launch, there is a warning thing, isn't there? Was it warning jet blast engine or something like that? I think you do see that kind of similar thing. So I assume, I assume that's probably another callback as well to, to the original, I'd imagine. Yeah, if, if you look at the Thunderbird 1 launch thing, <laughs> there's a lemon squeezer, which I don't know, which was meant to look like some sort of vent. But if you look at it closely, you're like, that's a lemon squeezer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. one of one of the iconic bits of Thunderbirds Trevor that everyone brings up at some point. It is in my notes where you just go, yeah, you know, you go, oh, brilliant text, and everyone goes, yeah, don't mention lemon squeezer, damn it. Like, <laughs> but that, that that kind of that that wonderful level of kit bashing which the model makers were yeah. doing, and if you look at the stuff like the guys who were doing, like you know, ten years later with Star Wars. You know, they were doing the exact same thing. They were kit bashing models. So the guys, you know, at uh, Slough 
at Century 21, they were like, you know, using all its, uh, everything and everything available to them to make these things feel real and all at scale. And it's, it, it really, it really holds up. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I, I, I still, um, I admire that, that level of ingenuity when it comes to, to, to building and making shows like that. And the lacks to health and safety, the fact they have pseudo one doing like, um, conversations and in the other studio they had explosions going off oh yeah of craft and you just go okay don't worry about it live alligators in a as well okay don't worry the fumes are really highly toxic as well if if the operator was like holding thunderbird 2 on a fishing line and there was these explosions and that's the thing about these jerry anderson shows there's one thing that links them and the other thing i really loved as a kid was the explosions and things that blew up and it's like you get a lot of that in Thunderbird 6, and you get a lot of that in Thunderbird to go, and anything that's just like bang, 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 it's like, yeah, I don't know why, but it, that, that, I used to sit and watch them to slow them down to see them all, I, I obsessed with that. So I think, yeah, that, that is one thing that really ties Jerry Anderson series together. Is and of course, and of course the, the, the random times where he wanted to make an episode, and it was a very, very strange one, like, I don't know, a cat. It uses a psychic whatever in the UFO, but you know. <laughs> All the other thing what was it the one thing that I and I hate it in storytelling. Yeah, this is oh this is not real, this is an hallucination or it's a dream. Oh god. Oh yeah, well the the, the attack on Cloud Base episode, which again I found harrowing because it like mm. literally killed off every character. Yeah. The kid I was there going, He's dead, he's dead. <laughs> He's not coming back. And then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, and, uh, what was her name? Symphony Angel wakes up and she's like, oh, yeah, it was a dream. Like, oh, I hate that. It and this is, not a, this is not a criticism of Jerry Anderson. This is just generally, I hate that kind of story today. It's lazy and it's cliche. I really, really hate that. It's not done often, but, you know, yeah, but it, yeah, that particular, that, that particular episode, I find harrowing. Oh, yeah. The watching Spectrum being destroyed by the, and the, yeah, they have, they have a similar kind of UFO. The Mistrons have similar UFO style flying saucers, and they've got that. They've got that uh, same sound effect. That yeah. you know that you know. Yeah. And you can hear those sound effects being reused, and a lot of the music's reused as well. As well, you know, for this, there's musical cues from like Captain from Stingray all the way up, you know, which they just reuse. Uh, but yeah, if you go on a deep dive under under um, Barry Gray stuff on Spotify, you'll find it all. I kind of like Stingray, but when and then I watch it and go, oh no, it's not really for me. I've never watched it. I always it. find it a bit weird. It's and like I said, it's campy. It's a lot campier. Um, I think it's got all the it's got all the hallmarks to it. It's got all that kind of Jerry Anderson energy about it, and that's why I love it. Uh, even though it's not as good as Thunderbirds. Um, there's too many dream episodes. Yeah, there's a few of those. <laughs> Kind of oh, what that kind of stuff like that? Is that is that what you meant? So why wouldn't you don't think I'd like Steamway because of that aspect of it? I don't I don't like it as much as Thunderbirds. I never have or, done. Or the fact that there's underwater aliens. It's just a little bit weird. Bit Nothing ever goes anywhere. And then in my notes, I have also put down. Um, and oh, this is this is where I get controversial because I know everyone fancied Marina. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I think even I did when yeah, I was younger. Yeah, hands up with it. But she doesn't do anything at all. Doesn't add anything to the plot. I don't get her. 
I can't comment because I've not seen it, so I don't know. Yeah, I would, I, would, I, would, I would sort of agree with that. But the server elements is just like she's kind of in tune with the sea, and she does save. She does get the the guys out of a sticky situation now and again. And yeah, it's the exotic girls, and it's that whole thing. I kind of feel like he should have ended up with um, Atlanta. Ah, yeah. There's a, there's that whole like love triangle thing as well. But like the, uh, Atlanta, uh, funny enough, played by Lois Maxwell, who was the original Miss Moneypenny. Penny. Penny. Oh, really? Oh, okay. yeah. That's her voice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 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 there's a couple of really interesting. If you watch the the Jerry Anderson Primers and the there was oh that uh, Nicholas Parsons, he, you know the the BBC presenter who passed away a wee while ago. Nicholas Parsons. He was one of his early acting roles was in Four Feather Falls, which is a very, I think, if you're going to start off watching the Jerry Anderson stuff, if you really want to go on a deep dive, some of his really early stuff, like Torch of the Batchy Boy and Four Feather Falls, aren't very watchable because they're very rudimentary and very, this is, we're talking early, late 50s here, you know, we're talking, you know, with 1955, 56, it kind of starts getting into the kind of more kind of, boys own adventure stuff with supercar and that's but even supercar is a little bit again it's got all those kind of elements of like you've got this fantastic vehicle and there's and, and it helps people out and there's like a scientist there's a hero character there's this uh, you know young fella in it as well mike mercury uh, but it's 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 got those kind of starting points of what we expect in jerry anderson shows but it's not it's it's not it's 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 good, but it's not brilliant. Then Fireball XL5, I think that's when it starts kind of ramping up. Uh, and it, but again, it's it's held back by its kind of lack of. It's it's very rudimentary. It, it's kind of limited by the or the fact that it was made in the early 60s. And it does. And I think in in those early episodes, they try to make the puppets walk, and it looks dodgy as <laughs> hell. Whereas, and I think by the time they got the Stingray, it's like. Okay, we want to make the characters move right, but how do we do this without making it look weird? So in Captain Scarlet, you've got moving walkways everywhere. Everyone uses moving walkways. Uh, in you know Thunderbirds as well, you use kind of you know close-ups like that to kind of show the characters moving, but never show them walking. You know, but uh, you but you see the kind of evolution like Fireball XL5, they're in space, and in uh, Stingray, they're underwater, and then Thunderbird seems to be kind of like, okay, we've learned from that, we've learned from that. Let's do everything. Let's let's bring it all together. So you to get to Thunderbirds, w- watching those shows kind of say gives you a good kind of shows you how the technology is progressing. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a good way to get into it. I, I still have a lot of fondness for those, and I'll, I'll watch the odd episode now and again, just purely out of nostalgia. But on also Fireball XL5 is a really cool ship. It's a re- it's it looks boss, and so I does think- Stingray. I think I'd be quite interested to check it out. Four, is it Four Feathered Falls? Yeah, that's yeah. a tough find. You're going to have to dig deep for that. I don't know where you'd find it. Maybe so, on YouTube? I quite like, I said, as Simon kind of mentioned at, at, at the beginning, I quite, I quite, I'm quite into Western, so that for me would be quite an interesting one just to check out, just to see. Because I think, I think it's, it's, again, it's mentioned in that documentary, and I found it quite fascinating. So. Yeah. I think even I Bob think Monkhouse would... is in... Thunderbird sick. Oh, Thunderbirds are go. Hmm? That Bob Monkhouse is really? Thunderbirds are go. Yeah, he's one oh of the. Oh my voices. god. He plays, he plays one of the astronauts. 
Okay. He's completely straight as well. He's not the, he, and you don't really know it's him, but it's him. It's, he's in the credits. <laughs> so, was you going to say, sorry? I think I say this is what I wanted you and Neil on together. I think you both have quite a lot in common that I can't really talk to. That I think you would have gelled really well on. And I think I I do hope that when we do the next episode, we can say so we can come together as a four. I don't know. If, I think I've touched everything I really want to talk to, but maybe we can possibly go over it again. But there's lots of things. Say, um, Neil has also seen the new stuff, so it'd be interesting to get his thoughts on it, kind of compared with the old stuff. But I feel like you guys have a lot in common with the early stuff that I don't... I think I I had an awful lot of those toys. So I had Space Precinct's bike... Now, there is a show that I have, I have not heard of in a long, long while. Space um, Precinct. I think I have the Admiral... Oh, I can't think of his name. Um, I've never... I've, I remember seeing it, but I never watched it, really. And then there's, a, there's the one, Terra Hawks, which I never watched either. That looks weird. Um, yeah, that's a very strange I think, one. I, I think I saw Space Precinct, but I don't remember it. I also have the supercar. I also have that around. I also bought at one point. Oh, I'll get my notes up because I can't remember. I can't remember. So let's get my notes up. I also have a badly painted Ed Straker's dinky car that oh, someone, nice. for whatever reason, they repainted it. It's like a bright gold. And you just look and you go, just why? <laughs> I tell you, a lot of those, a lot of those original collectibles are like. I, I know there's a model shop in Belfast, and it has an original Joe 90. If you've ever watched Joe 90, which, which I think it's, it's fun, um, it, the Joe 90 had he he had this the the professor had this really cool flying car. Yeah, that, that's that what I've got. I've, I've got one of them. Yeah, I've got one of those, and it's like lost a couple of bits to it, but that's a cool thing that I've still got. Again, no idea how or why I've got it because I'm gonna. I think I have seen them, but. It's things I don't remember, and in some ways I'm a bit worried of going to watch them because Neil's always like, "Oh, go and watch this Simon, go and watch that Simon," and I've never quite watched the older stuff because I do worry that it's going to take the sheen off. I'd say, like I said before, if you go to the Jerry Anderson YouTube channels and watch the kind of like series overviews, they're and and they're and and what I like about them, they're done quite tongue in cheek as well like they re- they they discuss what we're talking about in terms of like oh yeah you've got marina doesn't really do anything <laughs> you know what i mean and it sets up this love triangle in stingray or you know the, the thunderbird boys who live on a big island it's like nobody knows why but they just do like and, and it, it, like i think it it, it it gently pokes fun at like the yeah. foibles of the it's, series they're self-aware i was I, I like their uh, vehicle breakdowns as well. They're done really well. Yeah, they're, they're really, really good. good. Watch. But check out the series primers as well. They're brilliant. They're very, very good. And like, there's there's another really weird one in the mid six in the mid seventies. Oh, there's two of these weird. There's two two kind of lost Jerry Anderson shows which I only discovered. Uh, one, it's. Oh, One which is only a pilot, and it, it's really odd. And they filmed it in Malta, and it's about these two. It's like these two. It mixes supermarination and humans, but they, there's these like two kids, and they've got this car, 
and they try they try to like solve secret they're like they're they're given like these superpowers uh, and why it, do i feel like tell, you can tell this new... didn't work you can tell this is the, there's a reason why this didn't really um take off uh i'll, try, I'll see if i can find find the name of it but it, right. it, it's it, it, it's it's not great uh it's i think it's called the the investigator yeah the investigator if you can find clips of that it's the weirdest weirdest thing ever made um and then there was another one he did recently which I, i've only just discovered and it was like um it was like a nbc show and it was set in space and it was kind of made with the same team that made space 1999 and it was like an educational show and it, brian blessed's in it no. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's about black holes and stuff like that, and it was a kind of like an educational thing for NBC. Yeah, I but think it's, it's another kind of Jerry Anderson Lost thing that I nobody think, really um, Space nineteen ninety nine was one one you recommended, didn't you, Sire? That I should check out. Yeah, again, one I haven't seen in a long while, but it was meant to be the second season of UFO, but it got decided to go for a new thing, so they went for it became Space nineteen ninety nine. With its iconic eagles, it's still worth checking out. I really need to watch it, really. Yeah, imagine like the the way I would compare Space 1999 to say it's a bit weird in that the plot is that the moon gets blown out of Earth's orbit and goes traveling throughout the universe. Once you get your head kind of around that, it's kind of like imagine they made Star Trek in the 70s. And it's got if you watch the motion picture and look at Space 1999 and compare them, they're very similar shows. They're very similar in their production design and their look. And I would say like Space 1999 is almost like the Star Trek series of the 70s that we never got. Mm. So Phase Two. Yeah, it's 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 very, it's got big Phase Two energy about it. Uh, that's why I quite like it. Oh, it's a bit dry. The only thing I would say like um, Martin Lando, Barbara Bain. Barry Morris, it's it's a good show, but it, it and there's some great cameos in it. Like um, Christopher Lee pops up in it, Brian oh. Blessed again. Um, what's this guy? The guy playing Lovejoy, Ian McShane's in it. There's some really great acting in it, but again, it's a bit. My only kind of drawback of it is a little bit dry, but it's good. It's solid sci-fi. Hmm. Again, I'll add to my list of stuff to check out. Yeah. I, said, I do want to watch it more Jerry Anderson stuff, so I'm definitely keen to try. Um, maybe with the pressures not without the pressures of um, it uh, falling under research yeah um, is there anything more we want to say about anything about Jerry Anderson or do we feel like we've kind of said everything we've wanted to say for the moment pretty much <laughs> but should we pick this up later on in the year with Neil as well because yeah. I think that would yeah, be really sure, interesting because sure. I'd love to I think Jamie managed to get two episodes out his recent uh, birthday journey um, interest, so I want to do this, pull the same trick. But I'd, mm. I said I really don't get near long because I feel like he some way he sat down going, oh my god, I wish I could have made it. I have thoughts on everything you guys have said. You're wrong oh, with this totally. thing. You're right with that thing. Yeah. And I just I want to get you two chatting together because I can imagine me and Jamie just sat there going. Yep, we'll interlude when we get a chance to when we get a chance to say something. <laughs> the market the market Neil show, we don't mind. <laughs> I would definitely recommend another there's another kind of lost Jerry Anderson project and it was his kind of uh, Ed Bishop's in it. Um 
and it's basically it's kind of like a proto UFO, and it's called it, it was re, it was released in the UK as Doppelganger and in the US as Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, and it's a it's it's got all that kind of tech, all that kind of Jerry Anderson tech and special effects. It's a live action film about they discover another planet in the solar system behind the sun, which is a duplicate of Earth. Okay. And it's really interesting. It's a really far out 60s kind of, it's kind of got a bit of like Planet of the Apes kind of energy to it. And like, mm. you know, they go off and he lands on this planet and, he, and everyone's like, why did you return? And he's like, I didn't return. And they're like, no, you, you did. You, we sent you off and you came back. And he's like, no, it, this is a planet. It's a duplicate of mine. And, um, and it's got all that got a great Jerry Anderson special effects. And I think it's uh, if you're into that sort of thing, it's it's worth watching as a fan. Like it, like I, I, these are sort of shows I would not recommend to my friends who are just are not into it. But if you are and if you do want to go on a Jerry Anderson deep dive, do check it out. OK, well, um, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think that's it, isn't it? Or... Yeah, I think that's. That lived up to expectation because it's just there is just so much to cover with it. We just sit there going, dropping notion, just kind of where do you want? You're like, where do you want to go? And this is a bit like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us today, Mark. We really do appreciate yeah, it. I love it. The next time, I tell you what, the next time if I can do it properly, I'll see if I can collect some of my. I'll go up to the attic and see if I can dig out some of my um, my models. I've got some of them in my in my flat as well. And um, that'd be cool. Yeah, show you some of the, some of the, some of my mm. my Jerry Anderson collectibles. Um, but yeah, um, that ends out. This ends some. Well, do you want to say so? Because this is your kind of episode. So. No, you can, Jerry. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, so, um, yeah. So <laughs> this ends Simon's birthday episode slash second general interest. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode. And again, thank you again, Mark, for joining us. I really do. Thank Lovely you. to have you back on. Thank you. All right. And we'll be back soon. Bye.